So I was on a business trip recently and I took an Uber from the airport. And just for fun, because I knew about the special guest that we have on the show today, I asked my Uber driver, hey, have you ever heard of a guy named Harry Campbell? And my Uber driver goes, Harry Campbell, Harry Campbell. Harry Campbell, isn't that the rideshare guy? And I go, yeah, the rideshare guy. And that's exactly who we have on the podcast today. Harry, also known as the rideshare guy, helps people who drive lifts and Ubers or people who are thinking of getting into ridesharing how to have a better experience, how to make more money, how to have a better career. I had him on a recent episode of Tactics in a Tesla, and I had to get him back on the podcast to talk about how he did this, the tactics he's been using to grow his blog and just serving 200,000 uniques a month. It's pretty crazy what he's doing. So we're going to get into all the things today. But first, let's cue the music. Let's do this. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he has 24 hours in his day just like the rest of us, Pat Flynn. Now, as you know, I've been in the podcasting space for quite a long time now, and I've had a lot of success with the multiple shows and and episodes and even the courses I've created. Part of my success is due to how particular I've been in the tools that I use, and one of my favorite tools is Buzzsprout. For those of you who are not familiar with Buzzsprout, you need to be, because if you have a podcast or you're looking to start one, Buzzsprout is by far the easiest way to start podcasting, and they're making it even easier. This is a podcast host, and it allows you to get listed on all the top directories, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. I use it myself. They've provided advanced stats for us now so that you can track your podcast downloads and understand exactly what things are happening with your show, which is really key, right? Just there's not a lot of data that uh, a lot of tools give us access to, and Buzzsprout is some of the best. They'll even help you build a website for your podcast so your audience can easily find you online and listen to all the episodes right from your site too, even if you don't have a website. On the technical side, this is one of the coolest things I've seen in a while. Through the host, Buzzsprout, you can automatically optimize your audio through their newest feature, Magic Mastering. So Magic Mastering is like an Instagram filter, but for your audio. And it takes the audio you have and just automatically masters it to match the Apple Podcast authoring best practices. It's totally awesome. Just, I love them because not only is it just a super easy tool to use, but I know the team there. They are the sponsor of this episode. And I wanted to make sure you got to know who they are because they're they're a great tool. And if you're just starting out with Buzzsprout, you can actually get a special deal. Their plans start at $12 a month. Buzzsprout is a wonderful partner of mine and, you know, you can actually get 33% more time on your plan, whichever plan you choose, just through this link alone. And that's smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. And that's a huge deal, 33% extra time on your plan just by going through that link. You can claim that again by going to smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. Check them out, they're awesome. Thank you, thank you so much for joining me today in session 322 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. I'm very happy you're here with me today. Now make sure you stick around because not only are we gonna get into some tactics that Harry has used to grow his amazing brand here and he's got a book that's coming out and all these amazing things are happening, uh, but we talk about some strategies that I would use if I was an Uber driver related to starting my new business. So I wouldn't be competing with Harry. I would be creating my own business and use Uber as a strategy for how to actually make that happen. So stick around. We're talking about that at the end and some other great things. So let's just dive right in. Here he is, Harry from therideshareguy.com. What's up, Harry? Welcome to the SPI podcast. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me on. It's definitely a pleasure. 
you know, you have a really, really cool story. Um, you went from uh, workforce to just kind of driving Uber to now being the Uber Lyft rideshare guy. I mean, that's your website, right? The, the rideshareguy.com. And you help, uh, how many people, like, I honestly, I didn't even ask you this the other day. Um, how many people are visiting your website? Like, what's your, what's your reach at this point? Yeah, so I mean, to the website alone, we're usually getting around 200 to 250,000 unique viewers a month. And we also obviously have YouTube and the podcast and uh, a new book coming out. So lots of different mediums that are probably reaching a lot of drivers or potential drivers. So that's who you're serving, drivers, like the people who when we call an Uber or a Lyft, they're the people who pick us up. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think probably everyone has heard of Uber or Lyft by now. But um, what everyone may not know is that a lot of sort of just everyday drivers like you or like me uh, sign up to drive with Uber and Lyft. And since Uber and Lyft didn't exist five years ago, they really have no idea what they're doing. So a lot of them often go to YouTube or Google or even Facebook and are looking for information. And that's hopefully where I come in. And so you started out as an Uber driver. Tell us how you got from there to like being the guy that everybody goes to now for how to make it work. Yeah, no, definitely. It's been sort of a long path because I was also sort of sitting in your listeners' uh, shoes or seat right now listening to this podcast because, you know, when I first started uh, my blog, I was really, you know, a big fan of yours. And, you know, it was honestly, I have to say that it was a big inspiration for me. And I was literally in the shoes of a lot of your listeners right now, dabbling with little projects here and there. And I actually started driving for Uber and Lyft while I was still working full time as an aerospace engineer for Boeing. And I just wanted to try it out. Just wanted to check it out. Okay, I was going to ask, like, did you need the money for from Uber <laughs> to, I mean, aerospace? I mean, that's, I'm sure comes with a pretty good salary. Yeah, no, I think I was making pretty typical. I had about five years experience. So I was making pretty typical salary, probably around 60 or $70,000 okay. a year. And so, which is a pretty typical salary, you know, it's very, you know, it's definitely good money and probably above average, but, uh, you know, nothing that's going to make you a millionaire in you know, a few years or anything like that. But I was happy. I was content, but I definitely knew that it wasn't something I was going to do for the rest of my life. I mean, I had people, my cube mates, there was someone who sat across from me who worked in that same building 35 years ago for a different company. And he would kind of come in every morning, Monday morning and complain about this and complain about that. And I wasn't quite at that stage yet, but I definitely knew that, hey, there's other opportunities out there and that's what I'm going to, you know, keep exploring and see what works. Okay. So you drive Uber. And if, for those of you guys who are interested in driving for Uber, it's a good side hustle. I mean, some people, Make, I mean, what, what, how much could you make driving Uber or Lyft, Harry? Yeah, I mean, I think the way you described it is perfect. It's a great side hustle. And especially for honestly, for people that are entrepreneurial in nature, and I think your audience specifically, there's so many benefits beyond the money. I mean, of course, we all sort of do think do, you know, a lot of drivers do it for the money. But at the same time, it's going to be practice for running your own business, you're going to get that customer service side of things, talking to people dealing with people, the average driver. So we surveyed over 1100 drivers last year, and the average driver reported making about 16 to $17 an hour before expenses. So drivers are responsible for their own expenses like gas and depreciation. So you can imagine that's probably, you know, that's why there's so many Uber drivers out there with a Toyota Prius, right? Gas is a big expense. You have to definitely think about that. But also, you know, you have to, you know, Pat, you and I are both business owners. So obviously income is one thing and you can talk all about how much money you're making. But if you're spending just as much, then your net is zero, right? And so that's kind of what I get into as far as, you know, why it's important and kind of understand that income and expense side of things. That's cool. And this is the kind of stuff you talk about on the rideshared guy. The, the rideshareguy.com. And also, uh, Harry and I took a little car ride uh, yesterday in the Tesla for Tactics in a Tesla, which if you don't know, is sort of a series of videos that I have 
on my YouTube channel. So you can check that out. I'll, we'll, we'll embed the video and put a link to it in the show notes. So make sure you stick around. We're going to have a lot of cool things to share with you guys. And we'll have all the links and the resources in the show notes at, uh, at the end of this. I'll mention the URL. But come on the car ride with us. You will learn more about, we actually start that conversation with like, okay, like I'm interested in becoming an Uber driver, hypothetically. What do I need to know? What are the minimum requirements? What What is it like? So make sure you check out yeah. that. Uh, did I that, convince you, Pat? Did I convince uh, you, you to did. become a driver? I, it's like plan, <laughs> plan, I would say, Q in the whole list of things that I'm interested in doing. Um, Sounds good. But I'm, I'm still on plan, I mean, plan D or, or whatever it is right now. But anyway, um, go ahead and check out that video if you want to learn more about that and see Harry and get to know him a little bit more. But we're going to get to know him and his business even more right now so you you drove for uber and then at what point were you like i need to create a blog about this and just share this information i mean to be honest so i started driving for lyft and uber right about the same time about four years ago and honestly within the first week or two of driving it kind of hit me like a light bulb went off in my head and i started thinking to myself you know this isn't you know being a drive rideshare driver it's not rocket science but it's also not the easiest job in the world it's kind of a the ultimate combination of customer service running your own business dealing with drunk people all of that fun stuff <laughs> and figuring out how to make money right while you're doing it and that's kind of the cool thing for me I, do, I feel like I got really lucky with the timing that I just happened to start driving for Uber and Lyft at the right time when these companies were still growing. And at the time, there were some Facebook groups with you know Uber drivers and Lyft drivers, but there wasn't anything authoritative yet. There were no YouTube channels. There were no blogs that I could find at least. And so for me, I looked at it as kind of a, an interesting opportunity. Here I am trying to figure it out myself, and I'm not an expert yet, but it's also not the toughest job in the world. And I'm pretty sure with some hard work and some diligence, I can figure it out, figure the best practices out and figure out how to make a lot of money doing it or the most money possible and really just share my experience with people. And so that's kind of what I did from probably about, like I said, that first week is really when it kind of light bulb went off in my head and I started brainstorming about ideas. Cool. So you're brainstorming about ideas. You're, the, the, you're getting the bug, right? The entrepreneurial yeah, bug like definitely. we all like we all get, but then you execute. What 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 was execution like for you? you? You created a blog. What was the first week like after you set that up for you? Yeah, so I mean, I was working full time uh, for Boeing at the time, and we were living, uh, you know, in Orange County. And so I believe, uh, basically, really, kind of what it looked like initially. Obviously, I was sort of doing it all in my my spare time or my downtime. My wife was in med school, so that definitely helped because I had a lot of free time. I think it would be a lot tougher to start later on if I had a wife who was always wanting to do stuff, or if I had kids or anything like that. So definitely, timing wise, that worked out. But really, the first steps that I took was, I believe that I I, I know I saw this advice somewhere. Honestly, it may have been you, Pat, or it may have been someone else. But I remember I wrote down 50 article ideas because I wanted to make sure that this was something that I could write about forever or not forever, but you know, that I could write a lot of content about. And so that was really kind of my first step. I wrote down at least 50 ideas and, you know, just started thinking about, hey, is this something that, you know, I'm going to be able to cover and I won't get bored of quickly. Mm -hmm. So you write down these 50 ideas and they they come to you right? And then... Oh, yeah. You know you know how I got all of these ideas? Honestly, it was out driving. So that was kind of the cool part. I mean, I'm out driving and, you know, I had some articles about how to sign up and how to do this more logistical stuff. But a lot of my best article ideas came from while I was driving. You know, I would end a ride and then really quickly go into Evernote and write down a bunch of ideas. It's That's like, cool. hey, how to handle, you know, a drunk passenger and, you know, this guy did this wrong. I did that right. And, you know, so I was honestly just scribbling notes. I had a pen and paper, too, that I would take notes in sometimes, too. So it was really... that. that was kind of the cool thing that it was all you know i wasn't an expert yet but it was all coming from my firsthand experience so you start writing these articles and 
I mean, what's that like for you when you're writing something to a blog where there's nobody visiting? How, what, what's keeping you going? And at what point did you finally start to see some results? Yeah, well, you know, so I guess I, I haven't always enjoyed writing, but I did have a little bit of blogging experience before I started a couple personal finance blogs and I had done some freelance writing on travel. And so I had always written, though, about topics that were interesting to me. And, you know, I wasn't extremely passionate about Uber, driving for Uber and Lyft. It was just something that was kind of new and exciting to me. And so it wasn't like a lifelong calling or anything like that, but it was definitely something that was interesting. And so for me, it was really just about kind of detailing my experience experience. And I think I enjoyed the writing aspect in general. So I don't obviously you want people to read your stuff, but that wasn't necessarily kind of, you know, I felt like that I could go and write a bunch of articles. And at the end of the day, if no one read it, it wasn't the worst thing in the world because it was sort of a fun exercise for me. And so I think that's definitely good advice for someone that's starting out. You have to sort of think about, you know, now there's different mediums, there's blogs, there's podcasts, there's YouTube and sort of which aspect, which medium do you enjoy, especially at the start? You don't have to do everything, but which medium do you kind of enjoy creating content in? Because I think that'll help you go a long way. How did you finally start to get traffic to the website? So honestly, at the start, I used pretty much anything and everything that I could think of. So I went and onto all those Facebook groups and answered as many questions as I could. I mean, I probably answered thousands of questions <laughs> in a mm-hmm. pretty short amount of time, you know, in a few months, three to six months. So I was just every every day going on Facebook and, you know, really, I, I basically my strategy at the start was thinking, okay, where are drivers right now and how can I find them? How can I reach them? There were local meetups happening. So Lyft was actually sponsoring local meetups between drivers. So it wasn't a ton of drivers, but it was, you know, maybe 10 or 15. But I also noticed that these were really hardcore drivers. And so I was hoping that, you know, I could go there, meet with them, interact with them, see what challenges they were having, write about it, maybe share my articles with them. Maybe they would share my site. Um, I also noticed that uh, Lyft was publishing blog posts. And so I remember that I would comment. I set uh, notifications so that I would, I think I was using IFTTT, that service. And mm-hmm. so every time they published a blog post, I was getting a notification and then I would go and be the first comment. And, you know, so a lot of strategies like that that were sort of not scalable forever, but it was really kind of anything and everything that I could muster up. Well, that's what you need to do in the beginning. Kind of like, you know, you were hustling and you were grinding. Exactly. And I like that you, when you said, you know, you went into forums, you didn't say I went into forums and I just started spamming. Right. Yeah. Or I went into forums and I started sharing my website. You went into forums and you answered questions. And this is exactly. so funny. So I was telling you yesterday, this is exactly how my Green Exam Academy website got put on the map. I went into forums and I just started answering questions and I just became naturally over time the guy that everybody go, went to for that advice. And the same exact thing happened to you. And then they eventually went to your website. Yeah. And I mean, I think one of the strategies, you know, that strategy is probably wouldn't work as well today. But also, you know, I think it's really also about standing out because, you know, if people are all doing one thing and, you know, let's say today there's people answering questions and then linking to their articles that they have further information, you don't really stand out doing that. I would almost say that you could probably stand out by just answering questions and maybe only linking to your site one out of every four or five answers. So you become a little bit more well known as the guy who or the guy or the girl who is always answering questions, but you know, they're not trying to promote their stuff. They're not trying to push their stuff. People will find you because of, you know, you're still promoting it once in a while, but it's kind of, you know, you stand out, you look different than everyone else. That's always kind of been my approach to these types of, you know, more what I call like the hustling, the grinding promotion type tactics at the start. Had you ever wanted to, had you ever questioned like, "Eh, I don't know if I should keep going with this or were you kind of all in no matter what? 
I mean, honestly, Pat, the way I looked at it was when I'm when I was first getting started with this, it was definitely it was a combination for me. It was something that I was interest very interested in. It was something where I thought there was good business opportunity. And it also was something that I thought I could help people because there were a lot of people struggling. And, you know, to this day, I'm sure we can progress and talk more. But I mean, I get dozens of emails every single week, like I'm sure a lot of like you do. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners that are helping others. And honestly, that feels good. I would say that Mm -hmm. getting emails from people who are saying, you know, even though it's just content, people say, I love your stuff. You know, um, I I, I can't wait to read your next article or I can't wait to listen to your next podcast. I've even had people unsubscribe from my list, Pat, and email me and say, hey, I'm bummed that I have to unsubscribe, but I'm no longer driving for Uber. And I thought that was like one of the coolest emails. That's cool. Cool, you know, good and bad, right? Because yeah. I'm subscribing, but um, that, that's yeah. awesome. I lo- I love that. And at what point when you started going, did you finally realize, like, wow, this this is a thing here. I need to go full time. I mean, it was a while. So I did it for about a year uh, with my day job and sort of doing it on the side. And, you know, obviously towards the end of that year, it started taking up more and more of my time. And really what the, you know, I think your your next question, I, I think I might know what it is. So I'll answer it right now. But what kind of inspired me actually to leave my day job was that I got a media opportunity. And, you know, towards, you know, once I started doing a lot of that hustling and that grinding, I started looking for other opportunities where I could reach more people and media was a big strategy that I used in becoming an expert in the media. And I actually got an invite to sit down with Lyft's CEO on CNBC. And I had to turn it what? down because I was working. And this was, I've never got that opportunity again. <laughs> I got it. Oh, you, you turned know, it like, down? I had to turn it down because I had to work. I had like a very important meeting or something like that at my oh. day job. I couldn't go. You know, it was like a last minute thing. And they said, you, you know, you'd have to fly up to San Francisco. That would have been a no brainer, right? To fly up to San Francisco and go on CNBC with Lyft CEO and talk to him about what it's like to be a driver. And I had to turn it down because of my day job. And that kind of pushed me over the top. I just for quit sure. that day. Sorry, guys. Can't make this meeting. <laughs> I got to be on TV with the Lyft CEO. Yeah. And what's ironic is that I've never gotten a similar, well, I've never gotten that type of, you know, high level media opportunity since I sort of figured, oh, I'll probably get another one down the road, but nothing quite like that has happened. Yet, even though you hadn't gotten another opportunity like that, here you are incredibly successful. Uh, what, what is success? Like what, the, the site is successful. Can you de- define that for us? What, like you told us some of the numbers uh, in sure. terms of traffic, like how is it making money? How much money is it making? If you want to share, you know, yeah, just definitely. even range. Yeah, no, I'm definitely happy to share. You know, I think one of the things that I like about your podcast and all the guests you have on is that they are transparent. And it's not, you know, I don't like just saying, here's how much money I'm making or here's how much traffic I'm I'm ha- I'm getting. I sort of want to share the tactics of how it got there. And obviously it didn't happen from day one. So, I mean, just a, a couple quick stats off the top. You know, we're usually, like I said, getting around those 250,000 uh, uniques to the site. And then uh, we also have a YouTube channel that has around 26,000 subscribers, our email list is 52,000 subscribers right now, I believe. Use nice. ConvertKit. I, I signed up with your link, Pat. So. Thank you. Hey, thanks for that. <laughs> and I honestly, um, yeah. And uh, so, you know, those are just sort of some top line stats, which basically kind of tell you, yeah, we're, there are definitely a lot of people coming to our site every month, but that's probably, you know, the first question that people ask me that aren't in the, you know, kind of internet or working online sphere is how do you make money and how did you afford to quit your job and how do you have people working for you? And actually it's just a few main sources, but uh, one of the, some of the ways that we make money are through driver referrals. So signing up new drivers for Uber, for Lyft. We also 
work with Postmates and DoorDash. And so that's sort of a, a nice source. That's about 30% of our revenue. And then we also do direct advertising. So this would be things like sponsored posts. We put a little ad at the top of every email that we send out. So we release four articles a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. And we actually put just a little simple textual ad at the top and bottom of our email. And that brings in alone about $5,000 a month in passive income. That's cool. Um, because it's very easy to set up and we sort of just have continuously raised the prices sort of based off supply and demand. And that was actually, so I have one guy that works for me almost uh, full time and he handles a lot of those direct advertising deals. So the direct advertising is a big source. And another cool one that we discovered kind of by chance uh, that might be cool to talk about is our insurance marketplace. So drivers actually need this little addendum called rideshare insurance to be fully protected while they're driving for Uber and Lyft. And it's actually a new policy. And so we started off by just creating a resource for drivers, just explaining which companies are available in which state, because insurance is a state-by-state issue. So in California, it might be State Farm, Farmers, and Geico. Mm -hmm. But in Arizona, it's different states. We just sort of created that database, very simple, just all textual. And, you know, we have like a simple drop-down menu where you can select your state, but no fancy maps or anything like that. And insurance agents started reaching out to us and saying, hey, can we be listed on your market? marketplace. And I quickly discovered that insurance is usually a pretty high commission product. So now we have about 30 agents signed up across the country. And we have a couple national deals with Geico and USAA that basically we're sending leads to these companies. And we charge these agents anywhere from $100 to three or $400 a month to be listed. That's legit. I want to, I want to, that's cool because that's not an opportunity that you really kind of sought out or even expected. You know, one of the cool things that I always tell people is honestly, if you can get to the point where you have the traffic, if you have honestly just the credibility and if you have that authority, honestly, I think making money is the easiest part of of all that. I mean, getting there to where companies like Geico are reaching out to me and saying, hey, we want to advertise with you. That is the tough part. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, getting to that point is the tough part. But that was what was so cool is some of the monetization strategies we've discovered have just been from becoming a resource, from becoming, you know, providing such great information that people are coming to us and saying, hey, we want to give you money. Now, taking money, I think, is a skill in all in itself, you know, making sure that you're finding the right partners and, you know, not saying yes to everyone. But we definitely have found a, a, cool, a couple cool sources. We also have a video training course that we released that we sell about 20 to 30 courses a month. And that's $97 uh, a course. And that's been selling for two or three years. So, you know, four or five major revenue sources, basically. That's awesome. Well, wonderful job. I wanted to dig in a little bit because you had mentioned that you have some team members that are helping you. You said you started on your own. Now you have a team. How big is your team currently? So right now I basically have two full-time people. So one content manager who handles all of the basically coordination, scheduling, editing, some affiliate work. And then I also have a guy in San Francisco named Christian who handles all of our direct advertising deals. So these are sort of like a lot of the big companies that we work with uh, and partnerships that I kind of frankly don't want to deal with (laughs) because, you know, we'll hop on the phone and there'll be like six people on the other line. And so he handles a lot of that for me and and then just a host of writers. We have about three or four pretty consistent contributors on the blog and YouTube, and then a few, three or four more that you know might only contribute an article every month or two. And then you know your typical sort of uh, VA who does you know few, five to ten hours a week, web developer, all of the you know lawyer, all of that fun right. stuff, basically. 
At what point did you start building your team? Honestly, I started, I, I don't know why I keep saying honestly. But, yeah, uh, I was I like, are you lying to me at all? <laughs> <laughs> but now you're honest. I'm not lying. I'll try to stop saying that. No, but it's funny. I, like I, I interview a lot of people and they, they always have a, for me, it's always, I always say awesome when I'm on another yeah. person's show. Uh, for some reason, I just happen to do that. But yeah, honestly, well, sure. it's okay. I'm sure I'm funny. I'm sure I'm going to get a comment from someone that says, why do you say that so much? So but I'll try you know to what? You addressed it yourself first. You <laughs> did the Eminem eight mile move and you've, you've, exactly. you've got it before they can say it. Boom. There Unless we go. they've commented I before the, they finish listening, which is, I don't know Not if people do that. Sorry. What was your question? It was, uh, when did you start building the team? So I started building the team pretty early on because for me, I had experience doing content and I knew that I wanted to be releasing consistent content. So I started with three articles a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And that's a lot of content for one person to do. So pretty quickly on, you know, I I did those three articles a week at the start for the first three or four months because obviously I wanted to kickstart things and I wanted to get that out there. But I also knew that it probably wasn't something that I could sustain. And so I started seeking out contributors. And this was before before I was making any money on the site at all. And so I didn't, I couldn't afford to pay anyone, but I started seeing that there were some, you know, I didn't have a ton of followers yet, but I had some, some that were pretty passionate about it. And some people that were basically sending me blog posts via email, you know, I would write something and then they would write me a huge, uh, email response. I'm sure you've, you guys, if you have a website, I'm sure you've gotten that (laughs) occasionally. Mm -hmm. And a couple of them, I started reaching out to them and just asking them, Hey, are you interested in guest posting? And so I found a contributor that way who actually ended up writing a weekly blog post for me and for completely for free because he was passionate. He was a driver himself. And of course, you know, I told him, Hey, once I start making money or if I start making money from this site, I'm going to look to reward you and pay you for these articles. And it ended up that he actually managed our insurance marketplace. And I gave him, I think I gave him a very healthy 30% commission of all the deals that he, you know, the leads would come to me and he would just have to close them. And so it was pretty lucrative for both of us. And so it was cool, cool that it ended up working. But he wrote, he wrote for you for free. He wrote for me for close to a year uh, for free. And he I ended up rewarding him very well. I think it was a pretty fair deal <laughs> when it was all said and done. And I had once I after about six or seven months, I found another guy who was one of my friends from high school who was a writer and, you know, sort of an aspiring writer, basically a reporter, and he was driving for Lyft to pay the bills. And he started doing our weekly roundups where we sort of round up the top news stories. And he worked for free too. So I mean, really kind of what it revolved around, you know, I'm not trying to take advantage of these people. But it was I was just looking for people like me who are passionate about it. And, you know, I'm not going to give them equity and, you know, a blog that may not be worth anything. But it was sort of I was putting all my cards on the table saying, hey, you know, right now I can't afford to pay you. But I think that if you're passionate about this and you like doing this, we can contribute a few articles here and there. And when I do have the money to pay you, I will. Did you ever feel bad about that? Um, I didn't feel feel bad about it, to be honest. I don't know if that makes me a bad person, but I think that I was also working for free. So we were sort of, you know, it wasn't like I would have felt bad if I was making a bunch of money and I was hiring all these people for free. But honestly, I thought that the business was going to succeed. In my mind, I was thinking that, hey, Uber is worth, you know, at the time they were maybe worth a few billion dollars and every six months they were raising more money. I said, this company is going to be huge and there's no one else out there doing content like we're doing, you know, sort of that firsthand experience. You know, we weren't just looking up these, you you know, new products, right? Uber releases a new product, Uber pool. We weren't just looking them up and writing them about it. We were going out and actually driving Uber pool and seeing what it was like and seeing how good or bad it was. And then detailing our experience and no one was really doing content like that. That's amazing. Do you have a relationship with those companies, Uber, Lyft and the others? 
Yeah. So, you know, what's really funny is that I actually, so when I first signed up to drive with Uber, you could refer other drivers and you would get paid. Honestly, sometimes you could get paid a lot up to $500 sometimes for drivers in big places like Los Angeles, San Francisco, and the bonuses are still pretty high today. Um, So you could make a lot of money referring new drivers. So there's definitely this incentive to refer new drivers. And I started referring drivers, but you know, I would, more just drop a link at the end of all my blog posts and I kind of learned from you and you're kind of I know you've talked about affiliate marketing in the past and that you know there's sometimes an incentive to oversell or over promote a really good affiliate offer but for me I was trying to build more of a long-term business and I wanted to give people the realistic picture and you know I think if people want to sign up they're still going to sign up and that's definitely you know been one of my goals from the start I probably lost out on a little income in that first year because I could have referred more drivers you know if I would have done more articles about, you know, the best nights to drive and, you know, highlighting, oh, on New Year's, I made a thousand dollars, you know what I mean? As opposed to I drove a week and I made, you know, four or five hundred dollars, right? Whatever it might have been. Something that's just as more realistic. And uh, so till this day, even today, I still use the driver referral program for both Uber and Lyft. Although I suspect at some point they're going to try and make me switch to their regular affiliate program. But it's been kind of funny that obviously I do much higher volume and I don't have any tracking or any kind of sophistication. I just refer, you know, just like any other driver would, but probably much higher volumes. Do you know people at those companies and like, can you call them up to get some insider information or, you know, like what, what is that relationship like? Yeah, definitely. So I definitely know quite a few people at Uber and Lyft. I've gone up to visit with companies multiple times. I actually had a really cool opportunity last week where Uber had this big new announcement that frankly was a little bit of a dud for drivers. They were expecting something more, uh, but it ended up being a new driver app. And the CEO announced it in Los Angeles. And I was actually, Uber invited me on stage afterwards to ask the CEO about 15 minutes worth of questions and take questions from drivers. So I sort of moderated the panel. So that can maybe give you a sense of my relationship with Uber. It's a little complicated complicated because I sort of, you know, my site is for drivers first. And we've honestly been pretty critical of both Uber and Lyft in the past when, you know, Uber had a terrible PR year in 2017. And we covered a lot of that. So I think that the people at Uber who sort of understand that, you know, they're not a perfect company, you know, like any other company, they have mistakes, and there's a lot that they can improve. I think we really do a, a, you know, we try to do a fair job of balancing, you know, like any job, right, there's positives and negatives. And at the end of the day, though, I think both Uber and Lyft and myself, we want drivers to earn as much as possible and we want them to, you know, be as successful as possible and stay on the platform as long as possible. So we have a lot of similar incentives, but even though, you know, I'm sure there's some people at Uber who don't like what we always write. And I think while I was on stage with the CEO, he sort of made a joke that he saw one of my articles that said the reasons why you should drive for Lyft and he was not happy about it. But <laughs> that's, <laughs> but you also wrote happened. an article about reasons you should drive for Uber. Yeah, so we had a cool series where we did one of our contributors basically talked about all the reasons why you should drive for Uber. And then another contributor sort of fought back and wrote the next article on all the reasons why you should drive for Lyft. So, you know, definitely try to be balanced and fair. uh, But at the same time, you know, kind of the drivers are my audience. And that's really kind of who I care about most because, uh, you know, I think I think it's fun to support the underdog. You know, Uber and Lyft have some really smart people working at these companies. A lot of these drivers, though, they're just trying to out make, you know, trying to make a buck and pay some bills. So I like being on their side yeah i mean and that's likely a huge reason why people follow you and they share the site and they come to you for advice and they know they can get an honest look at things i I love that a lot um we always try to kind of please everybody 
Um, and in doing so, we actually aren't the best resource possible. So one, wonderful job on that. What, you know, I asked you in the, in the Tesla, uh, and you can watch this in the video, uh, in the show notes. Um, I asked you what was your favorite experience as an Uber driver? And you told this really cool story about an old guy that you picked up once. But I'd love to ask you here, what's been your favorite experience as the rideshare guy and what you do to help other rideshare drivers? Yeah, you know, I would say that my favorite experience as the rideshare guy, I don't know if there's one thing that I could point to, but I think definitely, I mean, I like that my business, even though it's sort of content based, I like, you know, I never would have guessed that people would have been so thankful for content, (laughs) I guess is the way to put it. And, you know, for the first two to three years of my site, I actually responded to every single email that I got. Um, and, you know, I, I, we were getting hundreds of thousands of page views at the time, and I was still responding to every single email that I got. Um, you know, now I have one of my team members who actually helps me with that. But it was sort of, you know, and it wasn't something that I had to do, but it was kind of just, you know, I looked out and saw that, all right, Uber and Lyft are sort of known for providing poor customer service to drivers, and you can't always get your questions answered. And I just didn't like that. And I kind of wanted to provide an opposite experience. And also just from the running the business side of things, if you could, if, you know, I wouldn't say Uber and Lyft for my competitors, but you know, if someone goes to Uber and Lyft has, and has a terrible customer service experience and then they come to me and get their question answered and get a link to a YouTube video with more information, that's a much different experience. And it sort of allows me to stand out. And I would say probably a lot of my followers would tell you that I have much better customer service than Uber, a $70 billion company. And, you know, <laughs> we're not cool, working though. on the same scale. But I think that, you know, it's cool where you know, this is a business that I've done full time now for three years and I have a few employees and, you know, I'm obviously doing a lot behind the scenes, but at the end of the day, and, you know, it's been very lucrative to be frank. Um, but it's also been a business where, you know, we can help drivers and sort of provide value to them. And, you know, I think I told you this in the Tesla, but it's not like I'm changing the world and doing something like, (laughs) like that. But at the end of the day, you know, I've been surprised that content is very, you know, people find, get a lot of enjoyment and a lot of value out of just reading or watching videos or listening and it's cool to help people so i definitely it's a little maybe a little cheesy but i like that no i mean everybody here who's listening knows i like cheesy so i'm i'm all for that for sure um book you have a book coming out or it has come out by the time people listen to this um why why well first of all name of it and why did you write it so the name of the book is The Rideshare Guide, not pe- not to be confused with The Rideshare Guy, but it's sort of, a, you know, like you would imagine, it's kind of a resource for drivers. And really, the reason why I wrote it was because I got a cold email from a publisher and the publisher had the exact same name as my brother, Michael Campbell. And so, of course, I instantly spotted the email <laughs> and said, why is my brother emailing me? He doesn't care about Uber or Lyft. But, uh, you know, this publisher had actually heard about my site from a driver and... And he started looking around and basically saw that there was really no real book about driving for Uber and Lyft. You know, there's been some self-published titles and some stories and things like that, but nothing with the type of authority or credibility. And so for me, it was kind of cool. This publisher had come to me and, you know, of course, like any good online marketer, I've been thinking about creating an ebook or creating my own book for mm-hmm. quite some time. But frankly, it just wasn't at the top of my list. And when he reached out to me and we sort of started going over the details, it just seemed like one of the things that I really liked about the book idea and going through a traditional publisher 
is that it seemed like a good way to reach a new audience that you that might not be online, that might not be in Facebook groups, that may not be searching on Google, that may not be, you know, on YouTube, right? And so mm-hmm. that was really kind of the impetus for writing the book and kind of why I wanted to go with a regular publisher for it. And it'll be in Barnes & Noble and on Amazon? Yeah, so it should be Barnes & Noble, Amazon. I've already seen it on a bunch of online retailers like Target and Walmart and all those types of stores. So yeah, I mean, it's really kind of a, a guide. I mean, I, I built it sort of... I. Over the past, I guess, four years, you know, I've written hundreds of articles, hundreds of videos, maybe thousands of articles, to be honest, hundreds of videos. And, you know, I think we're up to 70 or 75 podcasts. So I have a lot of information and knowledge about what it's like to drive for Uber and Lyft. But there was sort of not a great repository for all of that. You know, the course was a couple years old, and so it's a little bit dated. And so with the book, I kind of made it into something that was kind of like A to Z. You know, if you want to, the first chapter, you know, I believe is about, you know, like what you need, the requirements requirements for driving for Uber and Lyft, you know, should you pick Uber or Lyft, for example, right? All the questions that are really the most common things we get. And so you could imagine that if you're a new driver, you can kind of start at the beginning and go beginning to end. Or if you're a more experienced driver, you might like chapter five, where we talk about all the best strategies to make more money while driving. So that's sort of the way I set up the book. And along the way, kind of included some cool stories and anecdotes from influencers in the space. There's a couple big rideshare YouTubers and people like that. And then just interesting stories that I've come across to kind of keep things uh, interesting and exciting. That's really cool. Well, congratulations on the new book. We'll definitely link to it in the show notes. I have a couple of random questions I'd like I'm to ready. ask you. Kind of actually going back to questions I wish I'd asked yesterday when we filmed in, in the Tesla for the series. Um, are you allowed to, as an Uber driver, share with your passengers other business opportunities? Like you had just mentioned, this is what, yeah. what's triggering it. You know, I, I, I had a person who picked me up i can't remember if it was an uber or lyft because i take both yeah and the person after as i was leaving gave me his card and was like hey if you need some air conditioning like nice i can do air conditioning for you and i was (laughs) like oh well thanks and i didn't need air conditioning but it was just a really interesting thing i didn't i never had put two and two together there that yeah you know i could potentially use that as an opportunity to sell things or could i sell like swag you yeah. know hey welcome to san diego i just picked it from the airport by the way do you need a shot glass do you need a hat do you need <laughs> pencils like are you allowed to do that or no yeah so one of the cool things is that you're actually an independent contractor working for uber or lyft so you can work for multiple companies you will have to file a schedule c on your taxes and technically you're a business owner so there's obviously some extra additional paperwork that i like to say that comes with that but because you're an independent contractor you can pretty much do anything like that. And actually in my book towards the end, we feature a couple cool stories of drivers who, you know, I think we feature one who is a masseuse and, you know, she's obviously she's doing Uber and Lyft, but also, you know, when it comes up, when a passenger says, what do you do? She says, oh, I'm a masseuse. And you can imagine that that leads to a lot of clients around Christmas time. I know she did gift certificates, which was kind of a cool gift. Another guy, um, You know, I actually interviewed a guy on my podcast who was, I want to say he was a beet farmer because I love The Office and Dwight's a beet farmer, but I don't think he was a beet farmer. He was some type of farmer and he would actually sell his produce out of his trunk to his Uber and Lyft passengers. Kind of. That doesn't, yeah, I don't know if that's, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> but I well, guess, I mean, if you're, I mean, it's not related to Uber then. It's just, they happen to be 
Right. I mean, you know, and I think and that's why it's kind of cool because you sort of learn some of the tactics of selling, right? If you're if someone gets in the car and you say, hey, do you want to buy my produce? Obviously, probably not going to close that deal, but maybe there's other more subtle ways, you know, and so I think what he did was he would actually leave a few samples on his dashboard. And I've seen this, you know, there's a kind of a famous story of a a jewelry guy who sold jewelry and he would leave a bunch of samples of jewelry on his dash and he would sort of that would encourage people to ask about it. Say, hey, why do you have all these pieces of jewelry on your dash? And he says, oh, in my spare time, I sell jewelry and I create custom pieces. And he drove Uber Select, which is the mid-level kind of Uber where, you know, you kind of request a ride and you can get a Lexus or a BMW. So sort of think, you know, not like posh VIP clients, but a little bit nicer. And so this was kind of his target audience. So there's definitely a lot of, you know, that's the stuff that I think is really cool. And, you know, a lot of drivers, they just kind of want to go out there and drive and make their money. But there's some really cool opportunities. One of the companies that I'm an advisor for is called Maestro. And he actually came up with the idea to build an app that allows you to drive for both Uber and Lyft at the same time. He, this guy was a driver and he found his first investor that cut him his first check while driving for Uber in San Francisco. What? That is yeah. an awesome story. <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? So, I mean, you know, and like I said, that's not going to be the typical scenario or the typical situation. But if you're sort of looking for these opportunities, right, you might think to yourself, oh, you might go read an article and or you might have heard that I say you can make 15, 16 bucks an hour driving for Uber. And maybe you make more than that in your day job. But I still almost say that, you know, it might still be a good opportunity because a lot of those side benefits, you know, maybe you have a business that you're working on and you end up meeting your co-founder, right? Um, You know, I've talked to some uh, Uber and Lyft drivers that were looking for jobs in tech in San Francisco and they went out and hung out at all the companies that they were trying to get hired at. And around five, six, seven o'clock when all these, you know, for example, Google employees were headed home and they were calling Uber and Lyfts, they were right there giving, waiting to give them rides and, you know, trying to get into the company that way as opposed to just submitting a resume online. That's awesome. One idea that popped into my head, it was, you know, I often tell people to go and when they have a business idea, talk to other people about it. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, even, even in one of my courses, I say, you know, go to Starbucks buy a coffee for the person behind you and then just tell them about your idea. You're not selling them anything. It's okay. You're going to get some amazing feedback and you never know what those relationships could potentially lead to. If anything, you're getting at least a reaction to your idea, which is really important to understand what to do next. And I was imagining like, what if I just had an idea and I wanted to see what people thought about it? I'll drive for Uber and just pitch it to every single person who comes in. I'm getting paid to validate my ideas. Yeah. So even if the idea doesn't work, at least I'm actually putting it out there. But I'm also making some money on the side at the same time. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a cool thing. Obviously, I'm a little biased because the more Uber and Lyft drivers out there, the better for me, probably. But I think that everyone, you know, there's opportunity for anyone and everyone to at least try it and see if it's a good fit. And that's a nice thing. You know, when I first signed up, as long as you have an eligible car in a lot of cities, it's 2002 or newer four doors. And all you have to do is pass a background check and and have a smartphone. So you can imagine that from day, you know, it's cool because from day one, you can actually be making money, right? It was months before I ever made my first dollar on the rideshare guy. But with Uber, for example, I mean, from day one on your first, literally your first ride, you're making money and, you know, you have a business and you can kind of learn from that. That's cool, man. Harry, man, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us and how you did it, how you did what you did in the evolution of it. Um, This is so exciting. So the rideshareguy.com is where you go. The rideshare guide is the name of the book. Is there anywhere else people should go to to see what, what you're up to? 
Yeah, no, I mean, I think we're on YouTube and uh, we also have a podcast, The Rideshare Guy, where I basically interview interesting people, drivers, people in the industry, academics. So, um, and then, yeah, people from Uber and Lyft. So lots of interesting interviews happening over there. But really anyone who's kind of interested in that transportation, mobility, obviously that's our focus, but we cover lots of different topics. So anything that is interesting and exciting, basically. I love it, man. Hey, thank you so much. We appreciate you, Harry, and all the best of uh, luck to you in the future. Great. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Harry Campbell from the rideshareguy.com. Pick up his book if you want to check that out. You can also find him on YouTube as well. Now, of course, you can get the show notes and all the links mentioned in this particular episode at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 322. Once again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash session 322. And finally, whether you're on the show notes page or you just want to go there right now, I need to give a big shout out to ConvertKit, which is an email service provider that's just kicking butt right now because they are on top of all the things. A lot of you heard about the recent GDPR stuff. Well, they were some of the first ones to come out with information about how to stay on top of all that stuff. And I'm an advisor for the company. And because of that, I have some special connections there and I'm able to get you a deal that you cannot get anywhere else. You can get a 45-day free trial to ConvertKit. That is my affiliate link that I'm about, or I'm about to give you my affiliate link, but that means I get a commission if you go through that, if you stick around after 45 days, but that's enough time to see how great this tool is to help you get your email list up and running and using all the automation features that I love, like tagging and segmenting, so I can send emails that make sense to those specific people on my email list that those emails are perfect for. So if you want to get the 45-day free trial, all you have to do is go to smartpassiveincome.com slash convertkit45. Once again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash convertkit45. Cheers. Thanks again. I appreciate you for listening in, and I look forward to serving you next week on the Smart Passive Income Podcast. My name is Pat Flynn, here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. Make sure you click that subscribe button if you haven't done so already, and I'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. 